Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live, back with another version of Lakers Weekend. It's your host, Sean Grice, a.k.a. The Magic Man, and my co-host and friend and colleague and just around all good person, Joe Soros with me. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you for having me. All right. So why don't we go over the recap of the weekend at the beginning? which was the dismantling of the Warriors dynasty. And as you eloquently put it, it's not the end of the Steph era, but it is end of their dynasty. We stuck the wood right through their heart. That dynasty is dead, Joe. So do you have a final epitaph? Couple of things to be noted here. Thing is that Kerr is now nineteen one all time against the West. His only loss is to the Los Angeles Lakers, led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the second part of this is that deep down, listening to what they had to say after the game, Joe, they knew that they weren't good enough. As you said before the series started. You said you didn't think they thought they were good enough and you were proven to be right. You have a team that played an entire season in a playoff series winning only 13 road games. That is a terrible statistic, probably one of the worst statistics I've heard from a team that that's this good. <laughs> and they ran into a team that was just not going to lose. The Lakers are on a level right now, very similar to 2020. They'll have a uh, game where they lose in a series, but they seem to bounce back immediately. And they had two blowout wins in each series. That's half your wins in a series. If you're, I'm sure if you had a statistic that said two blowout wins during a a series, it's probably almost guaranteed they're going to win the series, right? Yes. Haven't checked. Haven't checked that stat. Uh, that'd be something I'd 
we need the Elias Sports Bureau to, to probably find because that takes forever. <laughs> the uh, the reason why the dynasty is dead is it's not because I'm I'm sitting there going I want these guys to be dead. No, Steph is still Steph. Clay is definitely a level below what he used to be, maybe even two. Uh, Draymond is three levels below what he was, and he's due to go after one more big contract. So regardless of Draymond picks up his option or leaves, the winning is done with those three because Draymond does not give you what you need to get to level three and four. Level four is obviously the, um, the finals. So with that, <clears throat> while, while everyone plays the ever original people counted us out here, people, first of all, he, he, Draymond at his shows mentioned how everyone said that the dynasty was over in 2019. I, I don't, I don't I, look, I'm in this pretty extensively. I never heard one report or one guy say anything. I'm sure there were a few out there, but nothing of relevance nothing of relevance of anyone saying that their dynasty was over in 2019. So that's hogwash. And this is the stuff that I'm looking forward to as we ascend in this culture of sports casting and sports analyzing. I want to call these guys out. I'm going to call everyone out for lying. Stop lying. Stop BSing people. There are some people out there that actually pay attention and have good memories of this stuff. No one of any relevance said that the dynasty was over in 2019. No one. We knew it was going to take a while to get back because you had just lost Clay due uh, to a, 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 a torn ACL. And you knew that Kevin Durant was likely going to leave, and he did. Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green are – the reason why they're successful besides talented is they are some of the most unselfish basketball entities in, in, in sports. That's why that, that plays a big part on why they win. So there was no doubt that they were able to, they were, they, they'd be able to either bring someone in that could be effective. Poole was very effective last year, helped them win a title. I don't know what happened to him this year, uh, but they have that culture there. Uh, but just like anything else, guys, it, it should be the you know it should be proof not only in the players and coaches but also the general manager who have played a huge part in getting all this put together. Bob Myers has been hinting that he's not coming back for a very long time now. He isn't coming back. He, he would have done something by now. He is gone. So that is the first pillar that's coming off. The second pillar is going to be Draymond Green, unless he decides that he wants to play. One more year under that contract, which I am sure his age is going, hell no. Hell no. Not the way you played the last two years. And until I see that, until I see Bob Myers re-up and Draymond take on that last contract, betting on himself this late in his, his, his career, this dynasty is dead. And the Lakers put it to bed. I believe that Golden State would have beat anyone in the West 
other than the Lakers, even Denver. But we'll never know that. So with that, Golden State, I want to thank you for the finals result last year. That was a huge, huge win. And we, as Laker fans, appreciate it, and everyone knows why. <laughs> but now that the Lakers are equipped to, uh, to compete, AD's on another level on defense. LeBron is doing what LeBron does, and our role players are all pitching in when we need it to do what they need to do. And Darvin Ham went from Bob Weiss to Greg Popovich in a matter of weeks. I can't figure out for, for the life of me. I know this disrespect to Bob Weiss, but, you know, there's a, there's a difference. So just want to use him as an example. It's the first name that came, came to my mind. For those of you who don't know who Bob Weiss is, former L.A. Clipper coach, I think twice. And then, of course, everyone knows who Pop is. But I, I, I just – I think the Lakers, the Warriors – uh, if, if there should be some kind of reinvention this summer for the Warriors and we get a chance to see this again, I would I would welcome it because I think LeBron needs to needs to get a little bit more out of the, out, of, out of that Steph LeBron uh, uh, little tiff that he's had for the last decade because he did get screwed. <laughs> he got screwed in three finals. One was half his stars or all his stars were gone in, in fifteen, and then of course they decided to, Durant decided to come to the Golden State uh, in 17, 8, and 18, and then we, we saw what happened there. So, yes, the dynasty as we see it currently constructed is dead. Bob Myers will be gone, and I believe Draymond Green will be gone as well, unless he takes $15 million per for the next four years, something like that, with the taxes in California, with the fact that, the uh, most importantly, with the fact that Golden State Warriors are flirting with a half a bill in, in, in salary, including tax. Economically, beyond all this other stuff, it's just not I – don't, I don't see how it's possible. I, Golden State's not going to drop 400 to $500 million in salaries. Sorry, I don't – it's not going to happen. Yeah, you know what, Joe? I think, the, I think a lot of their fans and I think uh, some of the analysts uh, over, overestimate greed. And they think that people like Joe Lacob and Steve Walmart will just keep throwing money at a problem until the problem solves itself. When in actuality, like any good business person, and it's an, on a different scale, but you can relate. If you don't have to spend money, you don't need want to spend the money because you may need it down the road for something that's worthwhile. So I, I just don't think uh, even in this climate that these these billionaires are just willingly and flippantly uh, just throwing money at an issue and thinking that it can be solved overnight. I don't believe even if I was a billionaire, I don't believe I'd ever allow salaries to, to, to get to that level. To escalate the way they have? Uh, it would have to be Elon Musk, Bill Gates money for me not to care, honestly. Uh, but if you're, most of these billionaires are billionaires because they've been able to not spend money. That's how most work anyways. The ones that have, <laughs> the ones that are sitting on 50 to 100 to 300 billion, that's, I can't even, I don't even know what, what, what that is. Yeah, it's unfathomable. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask or say anything in that level. I will never reach that level. 
<laughs> in 15 lifetimes. So most runs like this end sad. It runs, it's end sad because people get old, people get tired, people get burnt out, people start not getting along. I, I have a little bit of a feeling that something might change even with Steve Kerr to some degree. Uh, and it'll, I think it'll depend on who wins the lottery. I have a weird feeling that if the Spurs win, this is just me in my head. This isn't speculation I've heard anywhere. This is just me in my head. I have a feeling if the Spurs win the lottery and get win Vinyama, I believe that will propel Pop to go up to the front office. And I believe the Spurs would throw a lot of money towards Steve Kerr to come coach there. That's what I would do. Uh, that's what I would do. Because I think Clay is likely going to keep getting worse. Draymond's already there. And you're going to have to unload pool, but also, but you don't have any assets to attach to that. So no one's really going to trade for him unless he does a 180 and gets back to 2022 pool. But then again, at that point, are you going to want Draymond back? It's just, it's a mess over there. It's a mess, not in the, in the mess of like a Kobe and Shaq and 04, but, but it just, they don't, the parts don't mix. The, some of the parts are old. And some of the parts aren't worth what they think they're worth, but they ended up paying more for the parts. And now they're going to have to pay for paying more for the parts. I don't think anyone anticipated what ended up happening at training camp. But this is not the first time Draymond's alienated a player. Oh, no. He, he alienated Durant to the point where Durant left. Oh, he called him. A, he called him a. Yeah, if he's gonna, if you're gonna call someone a, then that's fighting words, and that's fine. I, I I understand that, but you also have to understand that got you another two titles that you wouldn't have gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the part where you have to gauge how you communicate with certain people. There are exceptions to the rule in life in general. Durant is the exception. He is a. He's been a bitch since he's left Oklahoma City. However, you do not win in 17 and 18, and you didn't win in 19 because of Kevin Durant. And that's just the way it is. And you probably would have won a little more while Clay was rehabbing. See, that's the crazy irony in that. If, if Katie had just stayed put, it would have been Steph and KD, and they, they might have been formidable. They might have been a threat in 2020 against the Lakers. They might have won it in 2021 with a healthy Durant and a healthy uh, Steph Curry. Although Steph, Curry, Steph, Steph, Steph was uh, hurt in 2021, wasn't he? Or was that 2020? Yeah. So Kevin Durant could have had his own team with Draymond. I don't know if they would have won a title, but they, he at least would have had that showroom to, to, to show his skills as a one-man game. So, yeah, it's 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 a, a lot of what-ifs, a lot of what this, what that. At the end of the day, look, you won four championships since 2015. 
that's four more than a lot of people have won, especially great players. At this point, prove me wrong that the dynasty's over. I don't think anyone's going to prove me wrong on that. And in the meantime, I don't really care either. Uh, I'm, I'm focused on the Lakers beating Denver and then hopefully beating Miami or, or the Celtics in the finals because this summer could be could be a hot summer, Joe. It could it's be. It, be it, it's, it is. It will literally be a hot summer. El Nino has has made its way here, and it's it's already coming. And we are at the precipice of quite possibly having a title of titles, and that is a very, very, very crazy thought. That in our lifetime we watched the Lakers take that spot. And I've been fortunate in my life to see the Steelers tie and and go over in Super Bowls. The, the Cowboys and the Niners. Uh, I did watch. I was un, unfortunately I did have to watch the Niners and Cowboys win five before <laughs> the Steelers did. But it was nice watching the the Steelers win six to, to surpass them. <laughs> I'm sure that was. And in my lifetime, in my lifetime, as far as me being alive, uh, the Steelers were the first to win three, four, and six. So at that point, what what else can you what else can you say? This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. You know what I've said before, like uh, I'm I'm going into the next life wearing purple and gold. So the fates know that uh, wherever there's a basketball court, there will be Lakers basketball and I will be there. But as we as we move on here, this will be the third iteration of the Lakers that would that would win uh, or go to multiple finals in my lifetime. Joe is magic the first time. Kobe and Shaq, and now this incarnation. So that that's three levels of contention. You know, most people are lucky as a fan of one team, maybe to get one, and maybe you get lucky and you get two. So far, it's been three. And I'm still young, but I'm thinking about fans like Tom, and uh, you know, Laker fans. You know, post. 65 who who probably never thought they'd ever see the Lakers surpass the Boston Celtics for championships but here we are man just though just the you know it it kind of like 
I hear, I heard what uh, yourself and and Tom and other fans are saying about kind of romanticizing the Celtics and the Lakers rivalry, and you know tonight was a painful reminder that it's looking more and more like it's going to happen because we all were watching the game this afternoon and that third quarter was the unraveling of the Sixers, Joe. The Celtics took a 55-52 lead into halftime and then third quarter, the floodgates opened, Joe. The Celtics outscored the Sixers 33-10. Since the shot clock era, which was introduced in 1956, that's the lowest amount, that's the fewest points the Sixers have scored in that era. It's almost 70 years. So as much as people have been kind of writing off Boston's defense, a combination of, um, you know, let's be honest, there was a lot of yellow, yellow bellies uh, on that Sixers side. Embiid cut out, Harden cut out. I just thought they quit, man. And in combination with that, Celtics just took it from them as well. So what were your thoughts about the uh, the Game 7 where it just seemed like the Sixers didn't even show up? Well, there was a play vivid in my mind where James Harden was on a, on a semi-break and he was about to possibly get a layup to make to get to get the sixes to 10 in terms of a lead that shift right there changed everything because it went from 10 to five and he got called for a flagrant on that play and that's how quick it can go especially when you have a player like james harden joel Embiid, and unfortunately doc rivers coaching the guys quit the guys quit when it when it came when it got going, you know. And you can you can blame Tatum for the end of Game Six, but at the same time, you still got to put that game away at home. That's you know, you, if you look at the two Game Sixes that the, the Lakers had at home, it was a forty point and twenty one point throbbing. Uh, that's what championship teams do. It doesn't matter how good Memphis was as a second seed. It doesn't matter how good Gold State was as being the world champs. You have to thump those guys. You have to bury them, and the Lakers did that. Uh, the Celtics buried the Sixers when it mattered. Uh, the only difference is in, in terms of what could be is if the Celtics do meet the Lakers, barring injuries, you're not going to be able to thump anyone on the Lakers and the Lakers match up very well against them. Even when they weren't fully equipped as they are now, they were, they were competitive. So really a little bit of me still says that I want a redux of 2020 because it's just weird. It's weird how the final four came out this year. It was, we, we, we talked about this earlier on playback when we were watching the Sixers and Celtics. I just think it was the first year where we were kind of out of that COVID fog. This was really the first season. 2021 was a shortened season. It was a quick season. 
2022 was like the first season where people kind of were getting back to normal and it was still kind of lingering a little. And then 22, 23 was when we stopped thinking about what happened during that time. And here we are, fast forward to what many said then was that Miami was on a fluke run. The Lakers wasn't so much a fluke because they were playing extremely well through throughout the year and then really well that last month. But this was no fluke. Miami was no fluke. The Lakers so far are not a fluke. So should those two meet in the finals, it, it, it would solidify that run in 2020 for both in, 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 in even more ways than one. I don't care what anyone says, and I've said this pretty aggressively. Any fan, any fan or player, if they had won in 2020, would be kissing that trophy like it was the best thing ever. Anyone who tells you no, anyone who says, no, if my team had won that title, I would have said it was an asterisk title. They are full of monkey crap. Thrown at their face, and and you all know that whoever's out there that 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 thinks they they would have thought differently is full of BS. So, what better way to put that to bed even more than to meet the same team from three years ago and beat them and have a double parade, one to commemorate 2020 and the other to commemorate the 2023 season and passing the Celtics for 18 as number one in the whole league. <laughs> now, if, uh, if that, if that's going to go down, then there's, there's only, there's only three words. Do it big. She's got to do it big, Joe. That happens because there's still a little bit of what if, and we didn't get any, finality to that championship with a parade so it's still out there we're still owed that i think that they need to keep that in mind if it does happen but uh we've got uh, a western conference finals to go through and an eastern conference finals joe so uh i'm sure gerald's got uh, a preview planned for tomorrow for for the western conference finals so just your early thoughts on what you see going down between the Heat and the Celtics. I personally think that, uh, you know, while I don't ever count a Jimmy Butler team out, I just think that uh, the Celtics are going to have too many wings for the Heat eventually to to deal with in a seven-game series. So as much as it pains me to say this, I would say the Celtics probably win six. Yeah, there's some validity there. However, the Miami Heat have been scrappy for a few years now. I have no idea who's going to win that series. I'll be honest. I have no idea. To me, it's a deadlock. The Celtics have lapses. That's why That's why they're, they haven't been able to win. But Tatum has what looks like switch, made a switch. And, of course, it's easy to make that switch when you have James Harden guarding you uh, because his switch is off when, when things get tough. And Joel Embiid was concerned more about MVPs than winning a title, which always came off as obnoxious to me. 
uh, anyone who's constantly worrying about individual awards is never really focused on winning championships and they rarely do win championships. And that's what Joel Embiid is. Uh, I've, I've been on record saying that Doc Rivers, I can, I can't be too harsh on Doc Rivers for, for, for personal reasons, but looking at it from a coaching standpoint, Doc Rivers just can't seem to close out. This is his 33rd clincher loss. I don't, I, 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 when I heard that number, I could not fathom that number. 33 losses when you can clinch. That's a lot. That's got to that be is, the record. That That's got to be the record. That is too... <laughs> I mean, if you played every game, that's 24 games in a playoff run, and he has exceeded that by nine. That is just mind-boggling to me. So, I don't know, know what the... Joe, I like what uh, Jose says here. He brings up a really good point. Uh, the Heat do have the coaching edge. So maybe if you're you're not sure of who to maybe pick one or the other, you may go with coaching being the final straw. And if that's the case, I'd take Spo over Missoula. Yeah, I think that's an easy one, but Missoula has the talent. And the Celtics have a desire to get I back. Think you, you know what uh, you know what's going to be a key Joe is if Kevin Love can can maybe not match Al Horford but maybe be as effective from the three point line I think that would go a long way for the Heat it really would because in a way it would kind of neutralize what Horford's been able to do in the playoffs because he's been really hot from deep. I think the the issue though will be Jalen Brown and 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 the hot Tatum. You're gonna need to make sure you have a hand in his face. Well, yeah, and you said it yourself, right? They take they sometimes they take quarters off, right? And Jimmy Butler left the Philadelphia 76ers Joe because he saw exactly what we saw, and he's like, I'm out because these guys are quitters, and I don't understand that mentality. So you're right. In any instance or in any game, if they take four or five plays off, he can literally murder them, and they could be staring at an 0-2 deficit before they know it. If they if they don't play this right, the Heat could could take both games right away. If the Heat take the first two games in Boston, they're heck. Even if they take one out of two, it's they they're. I like the chances. The Celtics start backpedaling. The Celtics have to win the first two games against Miami. But then again, we're going to have to see how those games play out. It's going to, if it's close games, you know, it's, uh, it could go seven for all we know. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know yet. I have to see how this plays out. I think if they had had Tyler Hero, which I'm, I'm, I'm hearing he might come back by the finals should they make it. I don't think he's going to make it for this particular run. They had had Tyler here. I think it would have been a little bit easier to kind of gauge that, say, you know what? I think Miami has a chance here to to, to beat this team. But not having that extra guy that can hit from deep on a consistent basis might be a problem. Uh, So I'll, I'll, at least against the Celtics, uh, obviously didn't have a problem with it in Milwaukee and didn't have a problem with uh, uh, New York. But 
I'll know. I'll know probably the first game on where that where that might go. If Boston comes out and 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 blows out Miami in the game in game one, then there's something there to worry about a little. But then we have to wait and see if they can repeat it again in game two. See what kind of adjustments Spo does at that point. Miami just needs to split. If they split, then it it it, it starts to favor Miami. And the momentum there, but I'm not going to know until this this that series starts. I'm completely blank on who's going to win that one. Well, it it's also it's also a tale of uh, building teams two different ways. Um, Riley basically has taken a sledgehammer to this team uh, before he signed Jimmy, and has rebuilt it. His image similar to the Knicks, Joe, Max Struess. Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson are all undrafted players, man. So this idea in the NBA that somehow you need to consistently hit on first-round picks is a fallacy. It takes the right eye to find talent and develop it. Now, Riley, in concert with Spo, have produced the most undrafted players to, to... play significant minutes in the NBA drill. Probably only second uh, second would probably be us, the Lakers. But nobody else finds undrafted guys and gets them to fit into their system better than the Miami Heat. You know, the NBA culture has changed. This wasn't the norm for years where an undrafted player became an effective star on the team. But scouting has gotten better. Analytics have helped. People who would normally not get the chance to play have a chance to play now. Mm-hmm. The Lakers have shown that even through all their debacles, they've they've been scouting at an extremely high level to the point where I, I was visibly angry <laughs> when I saw Alex Caruso's name as a first-team All-NBA, not because he was first-team All-NBA, because we developed him, and the he, fact he, that he was a yeah, the fact that he was a first first NBA defensive player in a damn Bulls uniform when he should be wearing a Laker uniform. There's something to admire there, right? You you have another undrafted player who's becoming a star, who's effective on the offensive end and playing pretty decent defense. Imagine if you had the other guy too playing stout defense with timely shooting. It just the Lakers have a similar culture. It's just that the culture was skewed a little because of one bad decision and a reaction that shouldn't have been a reaction due to the James Harden trade to Brooklyn. However, the Lakers seem to always rise from the Phoenix. Sorry, sons, but that's, the, <laughs> that's just the easiest word I can use to explain the fact that we've been getting our butts kicked by the Clippers for what, seven, eight years now. And the Clippers can't get out of their way yet. The Lakers are winning championships <laughs> on the path of possibly winning another throughout all that BS. And that's, that's because it's, it's inherent in their, in their blood, the, 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 the Laker armor, the Laker golden armor is real. And when you have 
superstars that are your pillars, at least two, you seem to always find a way to get to that level and at least win one. Whether it was Wilton Jerry West, whether it was Kareem Magic, whether it's Shaq and Kobe, whether it's AD and LeBron, whether it's Kudla and Mickelson, whatever you want to call the Minneapolis Laker run, um, Slater even. Mm-hmm. I think that was more of a spread out team, being that there was only nine, eight teams at the time. But the Lakers, in every iteration in their history where they had superstars, they've won a championship. Mm-hmm. And we've already done that. It's just, can they do it multiple times? And LeBron is one of the few players in basketball history that can almost supersede even the Lakers in terms of what he's going after. Because Michael Jordan was that big. Michael Jordan was bigger than the NBA. Michael Jordan revolutionized. By the way, if you guys haven't watched Air yet, I'm sure most of you have uh, Prime, Amazon Prime. I highly recommend watching it. It was a short kind of romanticized thing. Not a lot of it was true, but that's that's a, that's how movies are. Real life doesn't always translate to the screen, so you got to embellish some things. But it was a really, really good movie and, and, and getting you to understand that sometimes that risk, that big risk does come through. And Sonny Vaccaro, the part that is true is that Sonny Vaccaro did believe that this was the way to go to get their business to another level. He noticed something about Michael's personality. One of my favorite scenes, it's not going to spoil anything in terms of the story, but I, I will say this. There is a scene where he's explaining how Michael Jordan in that shot in Carolina to beat Georgetown, how he was anxious to get the ball. This is an 18-year-old freshman. He was anxious. And he explains how James Worthy was never going to take the last second shot. Dean Smith picked the freshman. And Dean Smith never played freshman. But Dean Smith, even at that point, got desperate. Just like Jim Beheim got desperate in 03 when he finally had his stud and was able to get his one and only title, right? That's the part I haven't been able to understand about college basketball. I think that a lot of times they, they go too much to the team, and then once in a while they'll, they'll veer off that and they end up winning. I'm like, why don't you keep doing that? But uh, but Sonny explains how Jordan wanted that ball, even at 18, and that told you everything about what you needed to know about him. So with that, LeBron James is chasing that. LeBron is set. There's nothing else LeBron needs to accomplish other than winning championships, which is what's going to solidify that spot. He has to win. If LeBron wins six championships, let's say he wins this year and then wins another one next year or the year after, I don't even know if there's ever going to be an argument at that at that point. He'll be the most accomplished NBA player in the history of the NBA. I would say all sports, but uh, but, but uh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady's probably seven titles, five. Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, shoot, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that'll ever be passed up. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, but uh, as far as a team sport would be concerned, if <clears throat> you know, again, we're kind of 
envisioning what this all looks like towards the end. Nobody foresaw this over the past three months. So uh, nobody has a crystal ball. I'm not Nostradamus. He's not Nostradamus. But we do see a pathway for him to be in a conversation all by himself because I think he already is, but it, it's hard convincing a group of people who are still skeptical. If he, if he, if, if it comes through full circle and this happens, I don't think I have to go so far to the hilt to uh, convince people that, you know, he's a standalone because it would stand alone. It, I watched Colby and, and MJ play. I, I don't think anyone has ever had that skill like Michael and Kobe, even LeBron. In terms of basketball, I don't think anyone will surpass those two from a basketball standpoint. But there's more to be judged. There's more to be judged. I I, I yeah, I agree. I, I would say this though. I would I, I and I've always argued this. Um you could put MJ above him. Kobe was the more skilled of the two. Yes, because that's what that era called for. And that plays a big part. When someone says if Jordan had played in this era, he would average 40. I go, no, he wouldn't. Because Michael Jordan would have been raised in a different time. He might have not been Michael Jordan the killer had he been born in 1990. You have to factor that in. It matters. <laughs> yeah, that's why That's why Charles Barkley makes the joke uh, once in a while on TNT, Joe, that, you know, if if he played today, he would come, he would be able to come to the stadium in a spaceship, like with the amount of money that's thrown around. Like, again, it was a different era, but he played a different position. And again, you're right. But on the other hand, Joe, you couldn't afford a team with, you know, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic John. You couldn't afford them. So it's no. not it, it's not as if it's not as if they 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 played in an era where they did that. They didn't. But it, it's also the fact that from an economic point of view, nobody nobody was looking around saying, "Well, I can make more money." And when no, it wasn't like that. It was a it was completely different landscape. You also have to factor in circumstance. So I used the example in a few shows ago about what would have happened had Utah acquired Reggie Miller in in nineteen ninety six. And Reggie Miller was on those Utah teams in ninety seven, ninety eight. We would not have seen we very likely would not have seen Michael win in 97 and 98. And that's what happened to LeBron in 17 and 18. There was a lot of luck that played into the way things played out for, for Michael, but luck is part of the lore. You can't, you can't go back and say, well, if this and if that, but that did play a factor in it. The era at the time wasn't guys jumping ship to go play together unless it was way past their primes. Kobe yeah, Bryant. Right. You know, and, and when you talk about that that word luck, 
plays a huge part in championships. Huge. Especially given, injuries. Given, given, especially, given, especially the injury part, because if you look at a lot of the Lakers' losses in the finals, it was bad timing. 1989, 1991, 2004, 2008, uh, to 1983. The only year they didn't have a major injury was 1984. There were one bad pass worthy pass away from probably beating Boston in that series. So Kobe, Kobe had a very interesting run in his 20 years. He had to deal with two lockouts. He had to deal with the fact that he made a very, very bad decision in Colorado in 2003 that derailed, that derailed him forever. Mm -hmm. It didn't keep him from winning again and being great, but it derailed not the perfect image. No one has a perfect image, but it, it derailed the aura a little. He became human when he was involved in that, where he wasn't human before then. And he wouldn't have been human even after. I also say that there, the difference between Michael, and this was, this was before LeBron even came into the picture. I said the difference between Kobe and, Le, and, and, and Michael Jordan is David Stern moved heaven and earth for Michael Jordan. David Stern moved hell in front of Kobe Bryant. Not deliberately, but it played out that way. And it started, it started with the zone defense being implemented in 2002, which reduced Shaq's prime by a couple of years. Once you were able to drop down and play zone against Shaq, his, 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 his dominance changed. He was still good in 03. He was still good in 04 and 05 and 06. But he wasn't 01, 02, 2000 Shaq in 03 and 04. I believe still to this day, if if the zone had been implemented in 03, they'd probably four-peat. Now, with that, you had the Chris Ball trade that didn't go through. And you also had Stu Jackson, his, his, his stooge, look at Kobe in a way where anytime he flapped his arms, he'd always get, uh, there was always this threat there. So I think David Stern hate, did not like Kobe Bryant after the Colorado thing. And he didn't want to throw anything at that. And some would even argue that the 04 officiating during the finals was something where maybe David Stern didn't want the Lakers to win it after all that. Right. I'm not going to go and blame the refs on that one. Cause that's a whole different story, but it certainly would make sense that he wouldn't want Kobe to be the finals MVP of his, of his league <laughs> after what had happened a few months earlier. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Well, it's interesting you say that, Joe, because I, I wanted to segue into 
veering into to those waters. We don't have to go too deep, but interested to get your thoughts here because you're you're seeing you're seeing this play out in some circles where we're starting with a logical fallacy here. So a lot of people are going with, well, you know, the NBA really wants to see the Lakers and the Celtics, so they'll throw and beat a bone and give him an MVP and then they'll throw Jokic a bone too and make sure he gets the Western Conference. Like we know that that narrative exists, Joe, and you've talked about it before the infusion of uh, getting into bed with uh, FanDuel and DraftKings might lead you down the slippery slope where people often start with that logical fallacy that because they want because the NBA wants a particular matchup that A plus B equals C, and to me that syllogism don't hunt. I hope it's not that way because it would it would turn it into wrestling, and I don't want to. Uh, Donahue situation was one guy, and I, I watched the documentary. He explained it. It wasn't some conspiracy by the NBA. It was just some guy that wanted to make more money. That's all it was. And this certainly doesn't help with the pushing of gambling, but I think Adam Silver looked at it as, look, they're doing it anyways, might as well roll with it. But the, the problem there is when you start having your, your people pitching beer commercials, pitching gambling, you start to enable that lifestyle. And, and when you sit there and you say you're about doing good, you're about the community and all that, you, you look like a hypocrite. Because gambling and drinking are not good things, especially when most people are addicts in those two. I'm not saying don't drink. I'm not saying don't gamble. But when you are making a buck from it, mm. it, it, it your, your, your credibility in doing good is skewed. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's skewed. I can go into other subjects of this matter. But I'm not because we're talking basketball here. But it just becomes this hypocrisy that is, is always lingering. And we've accepted it. And we've been talking about this John Morant thing here today with his situation. His antics. His antics. And, and we, 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 we keep, I keep hearing the wrong things today. I'm listening to Will Bond. And Stephen A. Smith talk about how smart this guy is. He's not. He is not smart. Smart people don't do things like this. They don't. I was 24 at one point. I didn't do stuff like this. I threw water balloons at somebody playing around. I, I, I threw eggs at a house. I wasn't brandishing guns. There's a level. There's a difference. There's a reason why you murder somebody, you go to jail for 25 years versus stealing candy from a store there are levels to this and don't tell me about oh he's privileged why is this going on i i had a friend of mine that went to a rich public high school in in in, in la jolla california he told me the rich little you know what's were worse than any human beings on the planet why because all their parents wanted them to do is get the hell away from them so they just throw money at them go go do whatever the hell you want so the privileged or the poor, a lot of, you know, that whole, that's, you want to talk about fallacy. That's a fallacy. I've seen both be worthless too. Because at the end of the day, it's people. 
the end of the day, it's people. I've seen people who were raised in hell holes come out clean in the, on the other end. I've seen people who live great lives growing up and they look like garbage and they're addicted to something and they're, they're, they're gone. There is no, there is a fundamental, there are fundamentals that help like a two parent household and a good community, a good school. Yeah, sure. But being a parent, having those things, having good schools, having a two parent household, it's not enough. No, it is not enough. Your kids, if you're not, if you're not careful, if you're not focused on raising children the right way, what is the right way? First of all, children are children. They don't know any better. Stop treating children like adults. That's one of the big problems we have. And we fast forward to, let's say, the 20 year olds in the NBA who are given millions of dollars. They're still children and you're giving them resources to be adults a lot of them can't do that connection whether they're privileged or not growing up why why is this going on comes down to this same old insecurity problem if you think you need you want to be a you know what okay you, you can be that guy but you better be like better be like floyd mayweather jr though <laughs> you're going to talk that kind of smack you're going to Flap that those hundies are, are around. You better follow through. He followed through with fifty and O. He followed through with fifty and O. So if you're gonna be a badass, you want to be a big big stick, big stick McGee. You better come with it. Yeah, it's just it's a really bad look for not really him because I I don't think. I, I'm in agreement with you, Joe. I don't think a lot of people would agree with Stephen A. Smith and Mike Wilbon. It's, and, like, let's be honest, it's not as if they know him either. It, it, like, what if they had, like, one or two conversations with him in their life? He shook their hand, said, hello, how are you? They thought he was polite and courteous. So, obviously, he's, he's he has to be that way all the time. No, not necessarily, you know. I remember uh, a song called uh, Smiling Faces, Joe, by the Undisputed Truth. And uh, one of the lines is, smiling faces, sometimes they don't tell the truth. Go ahead. Will Bond and Stephen A. Smith said what they said, not because of John Morant. They were defending their community. Mm -hmm. And they were lying and full of BS about the community. By telling telling the world that this is a smart person and that he should do this and do that. That's false advertisement. They were, they were thinking about themselves and they didn't even realize it. They were thinking about themselves because they worried about them looking bad because of this particular individual. And that's where our society has a problem. That's where, that's where that manipulation and that program continues to fester if you are identifying with John Moran as Michael Wilbon and Stephen A. Smith you have already lost the argument to me anyways why do you, what, what does that have to do with you why because society says that what he does reflects something on you you that's what I would say you want to believe what you want to believe people are going to believe what they want to believe I have a quote on Lakers ball 
believe what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. You're going to believe it anyways. Right. I don't give two craps. I'm cultured. I come from a non-American culture. I'm a minority as minority can be. There's only 3 million of my people left. And you know why there's only 3 million people left? Because of all the stupid wars and all the stupid fighting with churches, all those things for centuries that went around and ended up creating what it created. How do you get around that? How do you get around it? Well, I can't control what happened 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 500 years ago, but I can control now. And I'm not going to sit there and say, well, this person is smart. This guy was smart. No, he's not smart. He's an idiot. And don't tell me because he's young. This guy lied to your face. I'm and not work on myself. Isn't that what he said? Yes. And not only that, Joe, he cost he cost himself well over a hundred million dollars. Maybe. Well, we know he did because while he's busy making these videos, Joe, guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. We're in the gym, working on their game. Tatum's been in the league six years. This is going to be his fourth conference finals. Brown's been in the league seven years. This will be his fourth. That dude hasn't even been there once yet. And this is a prime example of rule number one and rule number two on the street, Joe. Rule number one. Don't F with somebody else's money. Number two, don't F with your own money. John Morant's breaking both rules right now. But primarily, he's just, like you said, he's just being a plain old goof. And it's not a good example for anyone, including himself. And I didn't buy his uh, rehab uh, excuse. Um, you know, we all have a smartphone. We all see it. I see the be. I see the behavior. You see the behavior. It's not going to change. I think the outrage is hilarious. We can't just look at it as someone being dumb and not taking their job seriously. Instead, we have to turn it into, oh, he's got mental health issues. I'm talking about Ben Simmons now that Eduardo had mentioned him. This guy had mental challenges, apparently, yet was still vigorous enough to come after money that he didn't earn. He didn't play due to his choice. Mm-hmm. And yet he wanted his money. So he wanted to make, he wanted his, his money paid to him, even though, the, even though he didn't get the full amount. He still got $14 million for not playing for an entire year because his feelings were hurt. Yep. And that's what happens when you enable. The weak, you you make the weak validated when you allow this to happen. And if you think this is a joke, if you think I'm, oh, well, you're just being harsh, Joe. You don't know what's going on in that guy's life. Spare me the BS, okay? We all have problems. We all came from something that wasn't good. We, we were human beings. That's life. Some worse than others. But what, is that, what does that have to do with the fact that he couldn't make a layup and decided that didn't want to play for a year 
and him still wanting his money. So mm-hmm. you can you can stick that where the sun don't shine. And if John Morant wants to, you know, brandish guns, well, he's in Tennessee, I'm assuming, right? Yes, can, he was. You can have a gun. He was. You can have a gun there, I believe, without a concealed license. I believe you can carry you can carry without a license or a Yes, I looked it up. You're correct, sir. Uh so that that plays an interesting part there, <laughs> you know. Uh, is there a, I'm sure there's a, there's a stipulation in the contract that says you're not going to brandish weapons on TV. So now that takes on a whole well, different Well, you know something, Joe, when, uh, even, even when, uh, athletes, uh, and celebrities sign a contract, everybody, myself, you, uh, as we welcome in our pod father, Gerald Glassford, Gerald Glassford as well. Even Thank Gerald, God you didn't call me Pod Mother for Mother's Day. <laughs> we, you know, Golden Knights, baby! Golden Knights! Very nice, Gerald. Congratulations. Just finished watching them. I, I'm going to say on this John Moran thing, though, uh, it to me, it's about three words. Uh, actually, about four words. Unbecoming of the league. And when you go ahead and you sign those multi-million dollar contracts, you have an image you have to represent for your team and for your organization. Yes, I know it's legal that he could brandish that and carry that. But the thing is, you have to guys have to understand that it's also bad imaging for the league as a whole and, and something, especially for that organization in Memphis. And to continue to do that after he was, you know, the first time around and to continue to do that like it's funny. That to me needs to be spoken to as a message, and I think especially that's what doing. especially with what's been going on in the city of Memphis. City of mm-hmm. Memphis has come under the gun, uh, so to pardon the pun, uh, oh. of uh, of of some really bad stuff. I don't think it mimics Chicago, but it's from what I'm hearing is not good. It's well, it's, cor- according to the the. So, uh, FBI Bureau of Crime Statistics, Joe, it's the fourth most violent city in the United States. Yeah, this is supposed to be country city, right? This is where country music is from. Nashville. Where, 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 where you're, you're, you're supposed to sing your, your pain away. Instead, they're shooting their pain away. <laughs> well, uh, well and, and it goes to what you were saying, Joe, about, you know, uh, everybody signs that moral turpitude clause in a contract that states, you know, if... If um, if your behavior, like Gerald said, use the I'm becoming words, of the league, of becoming of the league, or of uh, the company you're you're working for, then we have the right to terminate that contract. Um, and like you said, Joe, it's a little it's a little sticky wicket with uh, with these big big ballooning nine figure numbers you throw around. But you know, if he if he keeps playing these stupid games he's gonna win a stupid prize and that'll be a one-way ticket out of the league they could have they could have nipped this in the butt a long time ago by putting a moral clause that says a team can terminate your contract and if you were to sign another contract it wouldn't be guaranteed i think that's what josh primo is looking at if he ever comes back into the nba but John, but he's not John Morant. See, that I don't no. think it'll ever happen. When you're as, as good as John Morant, that's why I was saying, yeah, he might he might lose it in an endorsement, but he's not gonna. If if Memphis dropped John Morant, they would be twenty 
nine teams ready to sign him. Right. You're, no, you're right. That's he's not. He wouldn't be a depreciating asset. Go Correct. ahead, Gerald. So, go ahead, no, but that. What about Miles Bridges? What about? Uh, <laughs> I think I think Josh Primo and and Bridges Bridges especially is going to find another place in this league. Yes, I agree. Uh, th- none of those two are in, in Jaw's league. Jaw is a future Hall of Famer. If he so you're t- you're t- you're talking about somebody, but potentially a superstar or above that would. That you're, you're talking made about an example of Joe. Yeah, you're talking about it's it, it, that's the that's the rub here is you're not this isn't Dylan Brooks this is John Morant. John Morant is a faster Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose won the MVP. I believe he was the youngest MVP at 22 ever. Uh, John Morant has that kind of skill set. So I don't I don't know if he plays in the same ballpark as Mikael Bridges or anyone else. So that that plays a whole new thing. Uh, but as far as the the claw, you know, the, the the contractual obligation to representing the league and also representing your team, you know, just so people understand that, you know, I'm sure there there's a clause in most of these guys' contracts says they they they, sh- they can't ski or ride a motorcycle, right? Heck, I saw what how stubborn that hard headed dude in, in Pittsburgh was. He had to eat a windshield before he paid attention. So yes, uh, sorry if you're gonna make two hundred million dollars, guys. You're gonna you're not gonna be able to ski, and you're not gonna be able to ride motorcycles, and you're definitely not gonna be <laughs> you're definitely not gonna get a lot of good good graces for 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 waving around a gun, especially in a car with someone else in it. See, that's the other problem with that is there's somebody else in the car. And when he had, when they took the 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 first pick when he when he had the uh, he moved the nice, phone away that nice lady that was that was sitting next to him. There's another person in the room. Now, if he's shooting at a target, I don't think this is a big deal in a confined area or a monitored area. I'm sure there are plenty of guys in the NBA that go hunting, right? Maybe. Maybe they don't tell anybody. I don't know. But this goes back to the insecurity. I got to be, yay. I got to be this guy. But yet, guys like Will Bond and Stephen A. Smith are insulting everyone's intelligence by saying that this guy is intelligent. No, he's not. And the only reason why they're saying that is to deflect what really that's about away from them, which is stupid. That should not have any bearing on who you are. Who cares what society says? Society, 90% of the time, know nothing about anything. Trust me, guys. I see people every day. I see people I do not know every single day. All kind of cultures, all kind of economical situations, couples, divorced, home, apartment, Condos, all types of people, all cultures. 90% of the people out there, if not more, usually don't know squat about what's really going on because no one reads, no one experiences anything other than what they experience usually in their own little bubble. Why? Because they're scared to get out of it and they're scared to be judged and they're scared to be looked on a certain way. And when someone else does something, they start blaming that person or their decision-making or whatever, 
and it just becomes this just mess of crap and it, it doesn't really do any good to anyone well you know something as we uh, veer off into another topic i'll just end this segment with this we mentioned on playback joe that um you know years ago tracy mcgrady t-mac uh he called this situation he thought that memphis had a lot of talent but that they need really needed a vet in that locker room between those four walls to try and get it through these thick skulls about how to comport yourself, what it's like to be a professional, what that means on and off the court. And we saw it firsthand, Joe. It didn't matter what Steven Adams said this year. They were going to do what they were going to do. Just what you what you put on, on the site, man. And it's, well, it's disappointing. And that's disappointing because there were a lot of young players who benefited from Steven Adams' wisdom when he played for Oklahoma City and when he, and when he played briefly uh, in New Orleans. And it's just disappointing that these young people have decided that they know better. Going back to the hypocrisy of the message... Look who's gotten fired the last few weeks. You're telling me Monty Williams isn't a leader? And that's what I wanted to ask you guys about that is Monty Williams. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to say this, and then, Gerald, I know you, you, you have some things to say, and I'll, I'll, I'm glad we're segueing into something that you wanted to talk about. Let's talk about Monty Williams. I watched Monty Williams go on a podium and have one of the best speeches I've ever listened to after his wife passed away in a car accident. Acceptance of that fate because he has a belief and he has an an understanding and a positive mindset, whatever you want to call it. If that's not leadership, I don't know what is. I don't know what else is. Budenholzer wins a championship two years ago, had the best record three times, I believe four times if you count his time in Atlanta. Yeah. Quinn Snyder, best record one year in Utah. Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse wins a title in 2019. Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel got bounced because of a malcontent. So these owners... And the media who keep sending these messages that they're about, yes, we're about what's right and we're going to do the right thing. And with you keep firing and getting rid of your leaders who are effective. You are full of it. You are submitting to the rats. Yes, the rat mentality, the cockroach, right? We talked about cockroaches, Sean. You're letting the cockroaches stay in the house. You're not letting the exterminators manage it. Yes, I I have to go that harsh because that's what these guys are doing. Oh, well, we're making money, so that's okay, right? Is that that how it is? If that's how you want to look at it, you know, the the funny thing is you can do both. 
You're still going to make money. Why don't you live up to what? Or don't say anything anymore. I don't want to hear about the moral high ground of Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, and, and, and any owner in the NBA. I don't want to hear it. You guys are peddling gambling. You're peddling alcohol. You're, you're talking about kids and how NBA cares, and then you're peddling alcohol, and you're peddling gambling, and you're allowing these guys to do what they want to do. Why? Or how? And, oh, we're going to suspend John Morant for 15 games. What about the leaders that you keep firing? Oh, maybe it's because the owners, they, like that idiot, that, that the Phoenix owner, the, the guys, Jokic is, Jokic is the nicest guy you'll probably ever meet. I've never seen that guy. I barely see that guy even like flinch. And, and you made him mad. That's how I judge things. Like you got, if, if a nice guy is angry, something went wrong. What are you holding on to the ball for? That shows a lot about who you are. And then you have that other Yahoo that was there with a beer. Somebody should have just came and slapped on the back of the head. Right? Like, what are you doing? You guys are grown-ass adults. So, I'll end it at this. This is a discussion that I'm going to keep talking about because I think it's going to be relevant as we become a bigger platform for the message. Stop insulting my intelligence by telling me somebody else is intelligent when they're not. Including yourself. And what is intelligence? That's a subjective thing, right? How about this? Common sense shouldn't be that hard to figure out. No. I'm just saying, you know, just throwing that out there, you know. I, I'm i a hothead. I well, am. You all know this. But I've never brandished a weapon on my Instagram so I can be all cool. Who are you, who are you doing it for? For the, for the four million wannabe cult girls that model on that crap that people now, spend he, millions of dollars on to watch that's who you're doing it for have some have some have some brains wake up jesus all right as we got uh we got a new uh new artiste in the chat room turbo duran saying uh lakers and six over the chicken nuggets i like and the way you think turbo lakers will steal game one Watch, I'll come back when I'm right. Well, Turbo, we expect to see you back when we, you're we, right. Come back if you're wrong, just come back. Even if you're That's wrong, we we'll still accept you, my friend. <laughs> yes, because we're still waiting for Roll One Up to show up and take his lickings because he said he would and he hasn't shown up yet. I'm still waiting for the Memphis fan to come back on Twitch, and that's not going to happen either. So I do want to go ahead and touch on what Joe was saying in regards to the Phoenix Suns because Adrian Wojnarowski, he provided a little bit of the inside deal on this as far as Matt Ishbia, since he's taken over the team as far as ownership of it. He he's really made a lot of decisions a la Jerry Jones style, like I'm taking control of the actual uh, general managership, uh, you know, Jones who was, uh, did a very good job of, you know, actually started out kind of jokester as far as, you know, what he was doing for LeBron and, and you know, the Lakers at that point in time. And then also he turned into really a, a pretty good GM as far as growing it to a team that went to the Western Conference Finals and then actually to the NBA Finals. And then all of a sudden now it seemed to be derailing this Ishbia guy is now taking over and making a lot of the personnel moves as well. And, you know, it, I really think the Monty Williams firing was, was 
I, I thought it was a bad call, especially when you've got three years left on his contract. He's got three years left on his contract. Ishbia is gambling on him getting another job right away. That's what he's gambling on. So he doesn't have to pay out the three years as simple as that. But to me, I thought that, that Williams was not the problem. I think the problem stems from the fact that you made a trade. Ishbia was making Ishbia during the process of getting the ownership really pushed for the Durant trade. He got the Durant trade, got a lot of lack of depth in return. That's the major problem that they have on the team. Plus the fact that DeAndre Aiden, when it counted the most, he showed up the least. I was just going to say that's a great summation of, of what happened, Gerald. And yeah, uh, Ishbia put a rush on this whole deal. He put a rush on buying the team and then obviously put a rush on the KD deal, Gerald, because Adrian Morjanowski basically said that the, the trade was consummated before the ink was even dry. It's very Jerry Jones-ish. It very. is. It is. To get that, that involved and that deep into a transaction like that, and we find out that now the CEO of the Phoenix Suns is 33-year-old Josh Bartlestein. So what's that about, Gerald, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, is that Michigan State connection? I'm not yeah, sure. I don't know. Yeah, because, you know, his father – Understandably, Mark Bar- Bartlestein, a very heavy agent as far as the NBA is concerned. But oh, well, you know, it's now all tied about agency. I mean, the Lakers yeah. can't, you know. Yeah, exactly know right. Yeah. But but you know, Gerald makes a, a sound point, ladies and gentlemen. With you know a new CEO, he fires this coach. He's going to have new management installed that will probably do what he wants. Uh, Gerald's correct. This is very Jerry Jones-ish, like very, like almost, except for the fact that Jones, um, in this instance, Gerald, I think you're correct that Ishbia made the mistake. I think he pulled the shoot too soon for ejecting Monty Williams out of this situation. They were basically, they, they weren't the same team they were. Because, as you have stated eloquently, DeAndre Ayton just didn't give the same oomph for this team that uh, he has in the past. But they were they were still a fourth seed before the trade was made. They were a fourth seed when the playoffs started. I thought he did a decent job of trying to hold, hold that together with what he had. And for them to just cut out on him like this really speaks volumes and I think it's going to be to their detriment because we talked about it before, right? You went from an NBA finals appearance to losing in the second round. And now here we are. Not, not only that, you got smoked in back-to-back seasons by a team that you should have beat. You've, you've lost an elimination game at home by 25 points or more in back-to-back seasons. That's bad. It's a bad look. I thought Doc was going to be fired personally, but it looks like he's going to return to the Sixers. Uh, I thought that that's one that I thought was going to be ending today after especially that, that choke and that, that major disaster. Uh, and then the, the hardened legacy has been refined once again, as far as that that's concerned. But um, I, before we talk a little bit Lakers, before we head on out magic, uh, I do want to go ahead and if I may thank the audience out there, 
We're, we have been for the second time in our history now, part, one of the top 100 basketball shows in America. We're actually at our highest point uh, ever as far as for Apple Podcasts. So that's all because of you, what you do out there. And, and cannot thank you enough as we close in on 700 shows here at the Lakers Fast Break. Uh, over 100,000 views and 100,000 downloads, and it's all because of you. So I just wanted to say thank you before we head on out, my friend. Gerald, I echo you. Thank you so much to everybody out there. Um, we're growing, just seems by the day. Um, but this all this all started with uh, a handful of panelists and uh, with one subscriber, right, Gerald? And now we're moving on yep. up. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so funny because I, I look at the numbers now, and especially on the audio side and, uh, you know, almost 2000 people in the past week, different people have listened to an episode of the Lakers fast break. So that's, that's really a good sign that we're moving on up. It people are excited about the Lakers. It is an inevitability that this is going to be the number one Lakers show on the planet. Says Thanos. There's nothing. It's, it's not, it's not a matter of, if it's a matter of when, unless death comes, we're not stopping and we're not bringing what I've seen. I've, I've seen, I've seen shows that are as bland as burnt toast. <laughs> Lakers nation. <laughs> it's not just them. I listened to some of these guys speak and, and it's exactly why I never wanted to do a podcast because I didn't want that kind of atmosphere of just some Yahoo yapping. There's some actual structure here. We actually do stuff here very similar to a actual radio show on an AM, FM, or Sirius radio. And the production value is going to continue to go up as the show gets more and more popular. And that's that that's that's supposed to be for our, our people. That production value is for our people. The availability the technology so that they can hear us, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Twitch, all this is planned. Logos, gear. Yeah. I I, I would say I, I'm happy, but I'm, I'm, this is what I'm expecting this. This is what we're expecting. And I, I've, I've been saying this since I've been on here. If they want to listen to us, we will continue to come. Even when I don't want to come, I show up. <laughs> really. Even when I don't want to come, I'm like, no, somebody wants to listen to us talk. And maybe it's some therapy for them. And Dude, Have right. you gotten people randomly coming up? And you say, hey, Joe, can you rant on me? <laughs> I have not had anyone live yet say anything or recognize me yet. That's okay. That's probably a few... Probably another year or so away, I would guess. Okay. We never know with the way the Lakers are playing. You yeah, never we'll know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, great to be here, guys. I've been watching you in the background while I've been editing the Pop Culture Cosmos and watching the Golden Knights win. So, yeah, great show. You guys had a great conversation. I just wanted to put my two cents in. I know that tomorrow we're going to be getting really heavy into the Denver Nuggets and mm -hmm. Lakers series. I think that's something that's great because today we just talked about a lot about the other stuff, but tomorrow it gets into the really nitty gritty stuff of the Nuggets and the Lakers tomorrow. hundred percent. But before we go, there's a little bit of history that uh, needs to be taken care of. We need to uh, give a shout out to Mr. Derek Fisher, May 13th, 2000. 
and four. Hits an amazing shot with 0.4 seconds left. Point four. What's amazing about that play, Gerald, is the play before the Lakers are up 72-71. Shaq is all over Tim Duncan. And Duncan hits an amazing 21-footer with Shaq all over him with 0.4 seconds left. And the Spurs and their home crowd thought they were going to go home with a victory. And we're not playing uh, Do You Know Your Lakers trivia right now, but for bonus points, who is the announced team on that? Doc Rivers hey, and what, Al Michaels. What Doc Rivers and Al Michaels. There you go. He got it. The, uh... I knew that would be too easy if I put it on the show. <laughs> I got the cops called on me after that play. I thought there was a domestic disturbance in the room. Oh, my God, Joe. It was caused by Derek Fisher. You could, Yeah, you know. it, was, it was the last time I lived in an in a, in a apartment that had someone underneath me because they started turning into the typical downstairs people, right? <laughs> the fact that they call the cops not being able to recognize someone celebrating versus someone who's well, what, be, beating my... their, their spouse. I mean, can't you tell the difference? Or you, maybe you, knock on the door. Hey, everything all the right? Co- oh, the cops! They, the cops looked at me for a second because I was wearing Laker gear. I'm like, "Hi, how are you?" Oh, we we got a call that there was something <laughs> going on. I'm like, "Yeah, Derek Fisher just hit a shot to win the game." Oh, okay, sorry. Have, have a good night. <laughs> I, I was so happy I didn't get a chance to actually say what idiot called the cops. Like you can't tell I'm celebrating. So yeah, that that night. The cool thing about that series is for game six, I saw the greatest sporting event ever live. And you'll be surprised at what it is. And I I was in Gerald's backyard. I went to go see Tarver, Roy Jones, too. And it was right around the time the Lakers were playing the Spurs in game six. So the way I had planned it was – the undercards were doing their thing, right? And I was bouncing back and forth. This is before, you know, cell phones and, and, and video, right? So I, I just happened to be gauging the, the our, our connecting the, the, the game and, and, and being able to get in and get out really well. Halftime, the fight happens, right? Like right when halftime started, the fight was about, you know, the guys started walking out. And then Tarver, I mean unloads and I could hear it I mean I wasn't far up we were pretty close but Jesus you heard you heard two hits the punch and the drop and every single human being in that arena went oh and you (laughs) felt it in your bones wow and Tarver's jumping 10 feet in the air. The referee was wasting his time counting. Roy was out. And a whole crowd went nuts. After that, I'm still on a high that I've never been on at an event. I get out, and it's about five minutes in on the third quarter. And then the Lakers start making their run, and they end up obviously winning that game. And, um, boy, it was an unbelievable sports night. Probably one of the best. The only one that trumps it is uh, January 22nd, 2006. I'd say it's like 1-1-A. Everyone knows what happened January 22nd, 2006. Uh, 
everyone remembers on this particular show, that's Kobe hitting 81. But before that 81, the Steelers beat Denver in the AFC Championship game to go to Detroit, which at that time was going to be the last game Jerome Bettis played in his hometown. So, yeah, and, and I had fell asleep. I had fell asleep after I got back. I had drank a case of Coronas with my friend Ken. I was nervous the whole week. I could barely eat. I couldn't even eat that day. And he was feeding me Coronas. I got so drunk. <laughs> I got so drunk that I was numb for that last like quarter. And of course, when Ben went through, uh, basically had the clinching run for a touchdown to win the game, I, we started watching the highlights afterwards and this, this and that. And then finally I started coming down a little bit and my wife was with me. So we ended up, she was definitely driving at that point. And I was, I started eating after the game ended. So I started soaking up the alcohol, started sobering up a little bit. We got home and I passed out. And I didn't miss Laker games at that time. I really don't miss them now, but I wasn't missing anything. I fell asleep, woke up halfway through the second quarter. And Kobe was dropping 20, 26 points in the first half all year that year. So he had 26 in the first half. I was like, eh, Kobe will drop 50 tonight, hopefully a win, and we'll call it a night. Well, little did I know, he dropped 26 in the first half, then he dropped 30 in the third, and the Lakers were still in the game. Usually when Kobe mm -hmm. would hit that much, it would be a blowout. But That's I'm right. like, dude, Kobe's going to drop 70 tonight. So – he hits 70, and there's like six minutes left. I'm like, dude, he's going to hit 80. <laughs> and I think this was right at the beginning of social media being kind of like, did you guys see this? Did you guys see this? They were showing it on ESPN and all that. So how great is Kobe when I talk about Kobe? You know how great Kobe is, guys? I'll leave it at this. Championship Sunday. Championship Sunday. 99.9999% will lead Sports Center. There was one guy who debunked that. Kobe Bryant on January 22nd, 2006. Kobe Bryant set aside Championship Sunday, the NFL, the most popular sport in the country. He set it secondary one night in 2006. Pretty, pretty unbelievable. 100%. There's only one Kobe Bean Bryant. There will only be one Kobe Bean Bryant. It was a great Lakers weekend edition, ladies and gentlemen. want to thank my uh, two guests, Joe Soro, Gerald Glassford. Two guests or two pests? Two guests. Two guests. Okay. Today you are guests. Is there but... truly a difference? I don't think so. Now, now that we're talking about I don't think so. Just want to make sure. <laughs> And with that, we'll be back tomorrow on the Lakers Fast Break with an in-depth preview of the Lakers and Nuggets series. And until then, thank you very much. See you later, guys. Go Lakers. Go Lakers.